Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wannabe Entrepreneur, everyone. The podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. And I have to be honest with you. I, I'll be honest and share something that I've never shared before. I actually stole this line from one of my favorite podcasts in the whole world. The one that actually inspired me to start this one is called Startup. And uh, is the story of Alex, Alex, no, Alex, Alex Bloomberg, how, how Alex was able to bootstrap or to start, actually, he, he went through the VC route to start his own podcast company, Gimlet Media, that ended up being uh, bought by Spotify. And uh, the kind of catchphrase, how he always started his startup episodes was, this is a podcast about what's really like to start a company. And I adjusted this to bootstrap a company. So here you have it. Sometimes you need to kind of steal from the people that you admire. I hope that steal, I think, is a kind of a strong word. I, I take inspiration from it somehow. But uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to Startup, you should definitely start. Don't stop the episode just now. Just listen to this one until the end and then go and listen to Startup because it's amazing, amazing quality. It's, it's a great, great podcast. And today I have another packed episode for you. Like always, a lot of interesting things happening, starting from the fact that I was able to achieve $200 MRR, monthly recurring revenue. And I shared it on Twitter and I, I just now checked and I have more than 100 likes on that tweet. How crazy is this? I love how Twitter really loves success and, and people sharing success and they're super supportive, which is kind of different than Reddit where people can be really, really mean. And Twitter just got bought by Elon Musk. I, I hope uh, these cool things about Twitter do not change and uh, it only gets better. I really hope we will have an edit button. I know it's it's so frustrating always to share something just to realize that you made a grammar mistake or a spelling mistake and having to make this hard decision between uh, deleting a tweet that already has some likes and engagement or just own it and, and go with it. So let's really hope that Elon Musk makes Twitter better. I will also be sharing more news and updates on how my sales, my WB sales are going. I told you last episode that I've been shifting my focus from marketing more towards selling and I, I've been using Twitter mostly for that. And just last week, I got five new members coming and joining the platform. So I'm, I'm super excited about that and I'll be taking some time to really explain how the process went and what I've learned because I think this is really, really worth it. I, I even wrote a blog post on uh, Indie Hackers about this. And now that I think about it, I should also share it on my blog. Anyways, the link will be in the description so that you can go and read it, but I will also describe it here in the podcast. Another thing that I'll be talking about is monetization of the Wannabe Entrepreneur podcast. As you know, I've been trying to avoid doing ads for a long time, but uh, recently with my interview with the host of Indie Bytes, another super cool uh, bootstrapping indie makers related podcast, by the way, the interview will be out this coming Thursday, it kind of changed my mind that, uh, you know, it kind of planted the seed in my, in my mind that it might be interesting to explore 
some monetization around sponsorships. I, I'm still not entirely sure I'll do this, but I mean, I, I need the money. So I, I will share this with you in today's episode. And last but not least, I'll be sharing some tips and tricks about uh, bootstrapping and indie making. And I'll be kind of sharing what I've learned about how to build a successful product and some tips around that. So make sure to listen until the end. And uh, before we kick this episode off, I just want to give a shout out to Schwan because he was the one that was able to win and to guess where I was traveling this past weekend. I was in Barcelona. I shared this on Twitter and I told that if someone would guess it, I will mention them in this podcast episode. So Schwan, this one is to you and I will also link Schwan's Twitter on uh, the show notes of today's episode without further ado i always say this without further ado how can i say this differently without uh, dragging things more no all right let's say with without further ado let's get started with today's episode so this past weekend ish kind of extended weekend I was in Barcelona, beautiful city, capital of Spain. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's not the capital of Spain. But I got you there, didn't I? <laughs> I got you there. Madrid is the capital of Spain. Anyways, Barcelona, really beautiful city and is known by its architecture. And uh, one particular architect is super famous around the city. It's called Gaudi. And of course... If you go to Barcelona, you will have to eventually visit things built and designed by Gaudi, and the most famous one being the Sagrada Familia, which Sagrada Familia. Why did I try to translate this in English? I can say it. Sagrada Familia. Okay. Anyways, it's even if you are not religious, you should see this. It's a piece of art. It's so so beautiful, and uh, one thing that uh, I learned from Gaudi is that he really wanted his creations to somehow be similar to what God makes, quote-unquote, or similar to nature. So he was a very, very religious man. And uh, he wanted to make things really around nature. And when you see his creations, being the, the houses he designed, or the sculptures, or the lamps, yeah, we even designed lamps. Not a lot of people know this, but we did a walking tour. And I really, I really advise people to do walking tours. If you go and visit a city, it's so much cooler if you do one of these tours because they will always teach you things that you cannot get from Wikipedia. Anyways, back to Gaudi. I really admire the work. And when you look at it, you really see that, I don't know, it, it looks like, you know... Have you ever visited a cave? When you go to a cave and you see all the stalactites, is that how you say it? Stalactite? Sounds sounds wrong. Wait, let me go on Google here. Stalactites. All right, stalactites. Right. So you see all of those, and uh, they are obviously not symmetrical. They are still beautiful, and that's kind of what Gaudi wanted to do. When you see his creations. 
it doesn't have the symmetry that you see in normal kind of modern or any architecture, really. It tries to mimic nature. You can really picture his creations in the middle of the jungle or something like this. But one thing that I really found interesting, and now that I'm an entrepreneur and always thinking about this, is that how people like Gaudi, they were entrepreneurs. They really put all of their soul and time into their creations, in what they were creating. And in, in the last years of his life, he was actually sleeping in the Sagrada Familia. And uh, here I am again trying to relate to English, Sagrada Familia. Sagrada Familia. Anyways, that's actually one of the reasons why he might have died. Because since he was sleeping in the Sagrada Familia, he was always kind of dirty because there was a lot of dust around and he didn't look great. And then for some reason, while he was walking to, to go to church to pray, he was uh, ran over by a drum. And because uh, he was all covered with dust and kind of looked like homeless, people thought that he was a homeless. They didn't know he was Gaudi, so they took him to the homeless hospital so I guess he didn't have the the healthcare that the rich hospital has or something. And he ended up dying in the hospital three days after. I don't know if he would have survived, if he would have gone to the rich hospital, but I guess that's a different story there. I just found interesting that you really have to put a lot of your love and passion and time into your creations. And I, I truly believe that the people that achieve exceptional things in life are those that do this, that basically make the sacrifice of uh, maybe not having a family or not doing their hobbies, even not traveling, just to focus 100% in their projects. And another museum we went to was the Picasso Museum. And for Picasso, it was kind of the same. He was always traveling around. Of course, he had the money to do that. Back in the days, that was not cheap. But he was leaving with a 12 years old, I think, or 10 years old. He moved to Barcelona, kind of alone. Then he was in Paris. He was in Rome. He was kind of always traveling around. And he did this for his art. He was really into the painting community. And because of that, he was able to create an audience, right? I mean, those things are kind of the same. Now we create audience with Twitter before there was no internet. So they were basically going to these little communities and creating their audience there and learning from others there. I mean, now I can just open Twitter and learn from them now, the hashtag building public. But before there was no building public, you basically had to go to where everything was happening and, and learn from the masters there. But I don't know, this kind of really inspired me that uh, being an entrepreneur is really a lifestyle. It's being passionate about what you're building and really putting a lot of your time into that. Gaudi put all of his life into building the Sagrada Familia. He knew that it would not be done in his lifetime, which is also something really amazing. Imagine building your SaaS. You start building your SaaS and you know that the SaaS won't be done in your lifetime and let's be honest that's probably true right you you never really finish to build a SaaS. you are always kind of bringing new features etc and ideally when you're building a company you want it to be bigger than yourself you want it to continue 
that's basically what Gaudi did. Uh, are entrepreneur artists? I don't know. Are artists entrepreneurs? Yes. I, I, I really believe that. To be an artist is to create something, is to sell it as well. So, yes, I do think that artists are also entrepreneurs. And I got inspired by Gaudi. I got inspired by Picasso, entrepreneurs that I really, really admire. Now, I'm, I'm not a connoisseur in the artist world. And some might say that uh, Picasso was maybe not that good or that he kind of stole the ideas from others. I, I really don't know even if this is happening, but surely this happens with a lot of artists. And this is where I think that the entrepreneur role is so important. When you are an entrepreneur, you are not just a developer. You are not just a marketeer. You are not just a painter. You need to kind of know all of these areas. You might have your most relevant area, the one that you know the most, the one you like the most, but you need to kind of touch in all of this. If you are an artist, you need to know how to communicate with other artists and, and art sellers so that you can really create a buzz around your brand. This is something that uh, is really important. And because of that, what I'm trying to do in my entrepreneurial journey is to really become a better entrepreneur and, and bring you along in this journey. I, I, I want to learn from all these different areas. I started by learning how to develop products because I'm a developer. I learned how to code, then I learned how to build, and I'll be sharing a little bit, some tips around that in the end of the episode, as I told you. And then I started learning about marketing and uh, I'm still really far from really knowing any of these areas, good, especially marketing. But I've been focusing recently in the, in the past week in selling. And I told you the story why I decided to do this in, in the past episode last Tuesday. And you can go and, and listen to that. But I tried. And as I told you, I think I told you this last episode, the first... Uh, guideline that my mentor told me, my sales mentor told me, was to ask the current users of the community to recommend me some people that they think they would be interesting to bring as members to the WB space. So I asked around, I got a couple of names, and then I started reaching out to them on Twitter. I did that, and I kind of identified three things they're really important when you're writing a message. First is to introduce yourself. And I introduced myself as, of course, Tiago, founder of the WB space. Second is the recommendation part. So I always said that uh, member X recommended you or, or thought you would be good for the community. And third, bring some personalization to it. So I would always do some research on the person I was reaching out to. Maybe I would give uh, some tips or some honest feedback on how to improve their landing page. Or I would just describe that there are a lot of members in that area in the community. Something that shows that you really, really care. And uh, I guess there's also a fourth point, which is don't try to immediately sell. Try to see if your product can actually bring value to the other person. And one thing that uh, my mentor, my friend told me, 
was that a sale happens when uh, what you're offering and what your counterpart is looking for align, when you are actually bringing value to people. Of course, there's a lot of salesmen that are like pro sellers and they don't really care what they're selling. They, they are super good. But I think this is also a great motto. You shouldn't think about it as you're selling something. You should think about it more as you're giving value to someone else, right? So I've been trying to do that, trying to see if the community can genuinely help the others. And if it does, it's even much, much easier for me to sell. I've been exploring this in a lot of uh, spectrums and a lot of areas. For instance, now when I was in, in Barcelona, and if you travel, you probably know this, that if you are going through the touristic places and touristic restaurants, there'll be always people kind of pulling you to the restaurant. They'll be like, do you want to eat? Uh, this is what we have. And I was kind of thinking, okay, this is super interesting because how does this work, right? So as a tourist myself, I I also know that I want to avoid this kind of touristic traps, you know what I mean? Something that have high prices and not so good quality. So I know for sure that if someone is calling me to their restaurant, it's because it's maybe not that good. But sometimes it even works. So I was trying to kind of also figure that out. And uh, one thing is for sure. If I'm not looking to eat, I won't get in. So it, they can ask me, but it does not make any sense. But if I am looking to eat, then it's kind of easy, right? So I know that I'll be eating in that area. I know that there are five or, or six restaurants. Maybe the first one to come to me is the one that, that gets me as their client. And I do think that if they are kind of efficient and immediately tell you, okay, we have this food and they immediately grab your table, you you don't want to say no because you really want to to get that table. I don't know if I can somehow make the bridge of this to selling a community but uh, maybe maybe we can do this right now let, let, let's think about it so if i'm i'm selling a community if someone is not looking for a community it there's no point I, i'm not i'm not selling if they are not looking to Im to improve their uh, entrepreneurship or or to to find other bootstrappers or any makers it, this is just not for them but if they are looking for this maybe then I can do something to help them out. And this is where the, let's say, negotiation comes along. And the one thing that uh, my friend told me is to always go for a call, which is something that it's kind of weird for me. I, For me, I would just like send messages on, on Twitter. It, doing a call would really expose me, right? You have to show your face. You need to think fast. You need to convince people. So... I, I try and doing that because I'm I'm really open to everything. I, I just want to learn. So when I would introduce myself, I would always ask if they would be ready for a call. To be honest, most of the people said that they wouldn't have time. But uh, I did have a really, really nice call with uh, one of the, um, the members that ended up becoming a member or at least a trial member, uh, Eba. And it was super nice. We just chatted about our projects. I shared a little bit about my projects. And in the end, I thought that maybe the community could actually help her. And even if it does not, it's okay. I just learned from her projects and it was super interesting. In the end, I ended up actually giving a trial period just to see if she wants to join or not. And I think it's really helping her. So, yes, calls really help. Also, and this is really, really important. 
you might not be able to sell. And, and to be honest, for me, it was a bit weird because we were having such a nice conversation that then I kind of realized, okay, maybe the community would, would really be beneficial to her. But it's weird to kind of going from this super nice, interesting conversation to then suddenly start selling. It might seem that I'm a bit fake and I don't want to kind of show that because I, I was genuinely interested in, in learning more from, from her products and, and, and her life and etc. So how do you do this bridge? I, I really don't know. I, I bet you that there's a lot of salesmen that know better and, and they can teach you this. But one thing that you will always learn is more about your customer. If you come to this call with the mindset of let's learn more about my clients, let's learn about their challenges, and I really want to help them, then these calls will be super beneficial because you will realize where are the pain points, where can your product really help, and where is the money also? Like, in what occasions are they really willing to pay for your help or for your support or for your product? And one thing that my friend told me is that the idea for a successful product, the one that was able now to sell for a very good amount, came actually from one of these calls. Initially, they had a product that suggested digital products like laptops and uh, things like that to the users. And they were trying to sell this to big retailers. And uh, the owner of the retailer said that they actually made a lot of their money in the accessories of these devices, like phone cases and uh, chargers and stuff like that. So if he was able to find a solution to sell more of those, then uh, this is where the money is. And this is what... Uh, the retailers would be willing to pay. And that's how we built the company. So these ideas come from talking with your users. And if you want to talk with your users, what better way than just jumping in into a call? It's more synchronous. You can uh, ask your questions right away and you can also pick up on maybe facial expressions or things that you would never have picked up via a DM on Twitter. So... It worked really well, my sales so far. In two days, I was able to get five people joining the community. It felt really great, and I think that they are getting a lot of value out of it. Initially, some people were reluctant to join. They were not sure. And then when I offered them the one-month trial for free, they actually said, okay, I'll be joining and I'll be paying now because it's only five dollars and it was actually not the price that was keeping them was the fact that they were just unsure and when they saw that i was really fighting to have them as members of this community they thought okay let's give it a try another thing that really really helped was the recommendation so when i told them that uh, member x was really excited on having them in the community they said okay if member X wants me there and thinks it will be valuable, I trust this member, so I will also join. So these were the two main things that I saw that could really, really change someone's mind to join the community. But I'm sure that I'll be learning much more things because now this is what I'm doing mostly. I'm just reaching out to people with this structured message that I just talked with you about. And this is what I will be doing in the next weeks to see if it really works. And I also feel that I have a little bit more control over it than just sharing it 
some posts on Indie Hackers or Twitter. And that's it. That's what I want to share with you about the sales. Now I want to speak about the other topic, which is reaching 200 MRR in uh, my journey. It took me eight months. How crazy is this? Eight months. It, it started with Change It, my climate change app. And uh, I have been updating my journey ever since. I started with a podcast and then the community. And one thing that I've learned in the bootstrapping world is that you really need to be able to shift and pivot your ideas. You cannot be too stuck to one idea. And again, speaking with your clients really, really helps. So when I started this community, this was just a perk for people that listen to this podcast. If you want to basically support, you would pay $5 a month, or back then it was actually $4. And then you would also get access to this community where some of the people I interview would be in and other members and you could meet other entrepreneurs. But then I realized the community was really, really helpful. And there was a lot of engagement, a lot of people speaking. And I decided to kind of pivot and say, okay, no, this community is a product by its own and I'll try to sell it individually. So some people actually join the community because of the podcast, because they want to support the podcast. Some others don't even know or they don't listen to the podcast. They just like the community. And uh, if you have been following my journey, you know everything I've tried, all the frustrations and also the wins that I've had to reach to this point. How does it feel to reach $200? It feels amazing and... Uh, not enough at the same time. Amazing because I'm making $200 out of the internet, out of a product that I created. How amazing is this? We have 50 paying members. 50. This is already some nice amount, isn't it? But again, and I've told you this many, many times, it's still not enough. It still doesn't pay the bills. If I would move to maybe a cheaper country, it would already cover some of it, which is already really nice. It feels that I can kind of live of it in, in other places of the world, but in Lisbon, not enough. It's really not enough. So I just have to keep on trying and, and fighting for it. Will it get easier? Will it get faster? One thing that I can tell you for sure is that it was much harder to reach the first $100 than reaching the second $100, for sure, because there's more people using it, because I know better how to sell it, I have a bigger audience, uh, the community is bringing more value, but I don't know if this will continue like this. As I told you, March was a great month for me and April was not so good. Now it's getting a bit better with the sales, but uh, you always have to keep fighting. You need to put a lot of your time and effort into your creations like uh, Gaudi and Picasso did. Anyways, super happy with this milestone. And you really need to celebrate everything. Celebrate all the small milestones because there are so many downs in this journey, and I, I think I read something like this on Twitter recently. There's so many downs, you know, in this roller coaster that is entrepreneurship. That if you don't celebrate the small wins, then uh, you will be very, very unhappy. So definitely celebrate the wins, and uh, things will feel much, much better. The other thing that I want to talk about is this podcast. I was chatting with the host of Indie Bytes, which is one of the three podcasts that is actually featured in the podcast section in the Indie Hackers website, which I 
super super heavy because i really want my podcast there too and i'm i'm doing so much but uh it's been quite hard i i actually reached out to them a couple of times they they never get back to me and uh, i was able to chat with uh, james uh, james mckeven the chat will be out this thursday and i learned a lot with him and one thing that he said it was really really interesting he started monetizing his podcast from early on i think from episode two actually and you will hear again more about it in the interview but he told me that he kind of started selling his episodes to the advertisers he told them that okay you will have your brand in this episode forever and I know that now I only have 20, 30 listens, but in a year from now, I might have 1,000 or 2,000, and you just paid the same. So he was selling it for like $25 an episode or something, which is something that maybe it's good for my podcast. As you know, I've been telling you a lot that I really don't want to do ads. I don't want to do advertisement. And I, I'm I'm not even sure why. Well, I have I have some reasons, right? So I think that for us bootstrappers, it's so so hard to do marketing and to distribute our products that it's super unfair that companies with money can just throw some money, some dollars at it, and have the marketing problem fixed for them. I think it's unfair, and and I think that all the time that you're kind of spending listening to me should be to listen to me and, and not to the words of sponsors. So that's kind of the reason why I don't want to do ads. But in the other hand, it's also really good for people that are makers, developers that build their products and they are not very good at marketing. They could just pay someone to do marketing for them. And I can really pick companies that will pick your interest as a listener, that can really help you grow. So I'm in between. I don't know. I would prefer, of course, if you would support me directly. So you could buy me coffees, you could buy the merch, you could become a member. Even if you don't want to join the community, it's $5 a month and that makes all the difference. And all the links better will be in the description. But of course, that I also understand that uh, if the podcast is free, you might not want to do this. It's already free. So I'm starting to think on these other options and, and to see if I can reach out to companies that might be interesting to supporting some of my episodes. I don't know. This is just something that is coming to my mind and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Shall I start going for a sponsorship? Please uh, let me know what you think about it. You can uh, send me a DM or you can also send me an email. I will uh, share my email address on the show notes of this episode. Now, let's go to the last segment of the Wannabe Entrepreneur episode, which is tips and tricks for entrepreneurs. And I told you that I'll be sharing some of my lessons, the lessons that I've had in my journey about how to build a product. First thing you need to do is to determine what problem you want to fix. This is crucial. And I see a lot of people actually not thinking about it and they don't know what problem they are fixing. But to be honest, there's no point on building a product if it's not solving someone else's pain point. 
And one thing that I always recommend is for you to solve your own problem, something that you really know. Because in the beginning, you won't have a lot of people to give you feedback. And uh, if no one else is giving feedback, if it is your own problem, at least you have a North Star, some guidelines. You can always ask yourself, is this solving my problem? Is this new feature actually helping? Is this product actually helping? And this is already a great indication to know if you are going in the right direction or not. Another great reason why you might want to solve your own problem is because you understand it. You understand the audience. You already have a lot of friends and, and people around it. So this is really, really a tip that I give to everyone. Try to fix your own problem. Now, you have identified a problem. Does it mean that you should immediately start building? Of course not. Before you type any line of code or hire a developer or get a CTO, whatever, you need to validate this problem. Does this problem actually exist or is this only something in your own head? What I always do to validate my problem is to ask for feedback. You can, of course, ask your friends for feedback. However, if they are not indie makers and if you are not solving their problem directly, their feedback will probably not be the best because they're your friends. So they will just uh, say it's great. It's a great idea. So what I always do is I go to the WB Space feedback group and I ask what people think. There's only indie makers there, so I know that they will give me very relevant feedback and I can immediately see if there's engagement, if there's interest, or if people just don't like the idea too much. Another thing that I do is going on Reddit. There are subreddits about anything in the world. So if you are selling something for uh, horses, there's horse lovers for sure. So just go there and describe the problem. That's what I normally do is, how do you solve the problem of feeding your horse? I don't know if this is a problem, but you understand, right? And a lot of people will give you answers. Some of them will actually give their solutions, and then you can determine if the solutions are good enough, or you can even see if there are no solutions. If there are no solutions, maybe your solution can fix it. If your post has no engagement, Maybe this means that people are not that much interested or not that much into it. So it can give you an indication. I love Reddit to validate my problems. It's really, really good. If I determine that there's actually a problem and that I want to fix it, this is, by the way, really important. Is this something that you want to fix it? Do you see yourself doing this in the next five years? Because if you're not passionate about it, it's not worth it, believe me. The, the journey is too long and it's too many ups and downs to, to focus your time on that. But if you do want to work on it, now it's time for you to find a solution. And the solution needs to solve the problem really, really well. And you start thinking about it. You start asking for feedback for the people that you already know that have that problem. You start kind of bouncing ideas with them to see if your solution might fix it. And if you are a developer, start building it. There's a lot of people that say for you to build a landing page or something like a dummy button. For me, it's much worth it to spend already time to build an MVP. An MVP is a minimal viable product. And it does not mean that is a shitty product. It's a product that solves one little thing really, really well. So you identify the main features 
the minimum features necessary to already fix the problem or at least a part of that problem. And you release it to the world. You launch it on Reddit, you launch it on the WB space, on Twitter, on Product Hunt, whatever, and you see people's reaction. Ideally, you want to see people using the product. If they are not using it, if they are not interested in that, if they use it once and never return, this might be a problem. You need to identify what, why are people not returning. Is your solution not good enough? Is your solution not fully solving the problem? Is it hard to use? I don't know. For this, again, you need to collect feedback. There's no point on you kind of hiding everything and building a super complex product to release it because, to be honest, most likely you won't nail it. You just need to keep on collecting feedback. And if you can ask for money right away, do it. Believe me, because a lot of people will want to use your product, but the moment you start asking for money, they won't. And in the end, you want to build a business. And if people are not willing to pay for it, then you have no business there. And that's basically it. That's how to build the product. You keep updating your features and uh, you keep on listening to your uh, users. When I was building Change, I actually had cycles, feedback cycle and uh, production or development cycle. So on the feedback cycle, I had just released a new version and I would share it with the world and collect feedback. This feedback would then be converted into Trello tasks and I would prioritize those tasks. How do I prioritize tasks? Simple. If a lot of people were asking for the same feature, I would give it more priority. And uh, the way I would also decide if I want to work on a feature or not is by having a mission for my product. With Changeit, my mission was to make sustainability accessible to everyone. And I would prioritize higher the features that would go towards that mission. With the WB space, my mission is to help indie makers to reach success with their products, mostly monetary success. Some other metrics that I use to somehow see if the product is going in the right direction is retention. So are people actually coming to your product? Is it something regular or not? If uh, your product is something that is supposed to be used quite frequently, then you need to check that. You need to check if people are using and returning your product. If you are just selling a one-time thing, right? So, for example, if you are selling a t-shirt, you just sell it once. So you just want the user coming once. But if you are selling a community, it does not make sense people using your community once or twice and never returning. So this would be, and it's still one of my main features. I always check for retention. I always also check for engagement. How are people interacting with your product? Are they having long session durations or are they just coming once and leaving? So you just make sure to have a dashboard and, and something where you can see all of these metrics because this will really, really help you also to guide through what needs to be done to improve your product. And that's it. These are the tips I have for you regarding building a product. After this, you need to do marketing, you need to sell the product. And uh, this is something that it's a lot of work for me. It's much harder to do the distribution actually than the, the building part. 
And one common mistake of a lot of developers is that we try to fix the distribution problem by building more features. We always think that we just don't have enough features or the, the correct feature, but that's most of the times that's wrong. That That's completely wrong. We either are not solving a problem that has enough demand. It can be, right? Maybe you are solving a problem that already has a very good solution or a problem that is not that big of a problem, really. And uh, for that, you really need to do a lot of marketing, a lot of distribution, a lot of sales, or you just have to discard your current product and find the next one. And to be honest, a lot of creators do this. You have the 12 on 12, 12 startups in 12 months, and this tends to have success because people are always trying new products until they solve solve a problem that has a lot of demand. This is something that you can also do. And that's it for today's episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur. I hope you liked it and it was valuable for you. You learned and also made you think and entertained you and a lot of these nice things. And I know what you're thinking now. Hey, Tiago, this podcast is so great. How can I help you grow it and make sure that it still exists? Well, great question, because I have the solution for you. One thing you can do is joining our WB space, becoming uh, basically a member of the WB family and brand. And uh, you can just do that and not join the Slack group if you don't want to do it. You're just support this podcast. It's $5 a month. Or you can also join the community and uh, come build your product with us. Another thing that you can do is buying our awesome merch. I just created a store with t-shirts, mugs, hats. Actually, I don't have hats. Maybe I should add a hat. Let me know if you want a hat. Anyways, the link will also be in the description. And last but not least, you can share this podcast with your friends. Just tweet about it. Why not? Why not tweeting about it? I will actually link. There will be a link in the description. You just have to click and then click on tweet. Is as simple as that. And you will be helping this podcast a lot. And I will be forever grateful. Also, Make sure to send me a feedback on Twitter or via email. I will also share my email in the show notes of today's episode. On Thursday, there'll be a great interview with the host of Indie Bytes, another podcast for indie makers. And uh, it's, it's a great one. So I hope that you like it too. And that's it. That's it for today's episode. This was another Wannabe Entrepreneur. See you next time. DM me on Twitter if you want great restaurant recommendations in Barcelona.